This is Daisenshu EX, the podcast, episode 91 for the week of August 26th, 2007. Welcome to Daisenshu EX, the podcast, the one and only podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daisenshu EX. Damn straight, we cover anything and everything, Dragon Ball. In hopes of... Enlightening! In a little bit of... Entertainment? Yeah, sure, why not? Why not indeed? I can change an ing to a ment. That's okay. I'm down with that. What's up, everyone? How you doing? Hello. Yep. We got the typical core trio here yet again. Let's go around and introduce who is here on this phenomenal Dragon Ball podcast. If you do say so yourself. And I just did over the Skype line. Julian, you sound great. How the hell you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So uh, I just got my placement information the other day. Nice. Yeah. So should I... Tell the people where I'm going to be. Am I going to attract stalkers? I don't think I don't so. Know. I think it's pretty far away for most of our listeners. All right. So I'm going to be in South Central Osaka in uh, actually uh, Nishinariku Ichome, which is in between Tennoji in the east and Nipponbashi in the west. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well set there. Good deal. Um, How far away is that from where you were previously? Like two years ago, was it? Oh, it's like an hour south by train. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, so apparently I am within walking distance of uh, Denden Town in Osaka, which is known as the Akihabara of West Japan. Ah, I don't know if this bodes well. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, this is very exciting. We're looking forward to having you over there as our foreign correspondent, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Something like that. You make it sound like we have a budget. I know, And like right? we sent Julian over there. I'm sending <laughs> Julian over on a business trip for the next year to do a little investigation <laughs> over in Japan. Yes, it's not just a green screen this time. <laughs> I'll actually be in Japan. Oh, fantastic. Mary. Hello. What's up? Oh, again with the uh, not excitingness going on no. by by comparison of you know Julian's traveling. Yeah, but you're cool. I am. You're not a pretty cool guy, but you're a pretty cool gal. Yes, and I wish I had news to talk about. I might, but it's too soon to say cryptic much. Again, I say you are awful at telling stories. I don't have stories, okay? <laughs> I, I clearly Make need to do more up. in my life. See, like when we talk during the day and I say, I text you and say, I'm bored. Tell me a phenomenal story of international intrigue. So I want a story of phenomenal international intrigue right now. Go. Um, I, Go. I wrestled and killed an octopus in Madagascar. That was international. I, I like that story. It was intriguing, but I don't know if it was intrigue. <laughs> and then um, ninjas what, popped what? out of the octopus. Okay, so the octopus was just a front for a secret ninja That's right, it was a giant balloon octopus. All right. There we go. I'm down with that. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I can't top that. I went sure to work. You can. I came home and did some stuff. So don't and... accuse me of not having any good stories. <laughs> it's all right. You need a good story. See, I'm the moderator for this. I get Julian's stories. I get your stories. I tie it all together in a neat little package, and I put it out as a podcast. Gotcha. Yes. So if that's Julian, and you're Mary fighting evil octopus ninja clans, that leaves me being Mike Vegito EX, and we have a hell of a podcast for you tonight, or this morning, or this afternoon. Whenever you're listening no, to it. time frames can there be? Dusk, dawn. 
the future. In the future. <gasps> it will be the future when you listen to this. So we have a full episode. We're going to do a little uh, kind of a follow-up on last week's episode, the topic. We have a new topic for you this week, which we hinted at last week. That's right. We're going to talk about GT. <gasps> Shock and awe. Uh-huh. And uh, we got some news and releases, and we'll uh, clean it up with some emails at the end, and that'll be an episode. So a couple things. Let's get out of the way. Julian, you mentioned you were going over to Japan. I actually yeah. have a question for you. Now, you don't yeah. have to say yes. You can say no. It randomly occurred to me that as of yet, we have not done a review of Harry Canary Goku Dane Setsu. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And it occurred to me that I have both the Japanese and the American release of the game. You do? Yes. Oh, that's right, you do. Would you be interested in me sending you the Japanese version to play along with for a little bit? Um, what kind of game is it, anyway? It's not a fighting game. It's a card-based game, There right? are numbers, and you tap with the stylus. I see. <laughs> um... I was going to send you some stuff anyways. I still have to send you a promo DVD for the summer because you forgot to take one. And I have some other stuff. So I figured, you know, I have the American one. I don't really need to play the Japanese one right now. So I figured I might as well send it. Well, yeah, I I guess that's that's fine. I don't know how much time I'll have to play it, but I'll I'll try, I guess. That's all right. I mean, my main concern right now is I'm looking at, like, the rail fare systems, and I'm wondering whether I should go with Ikoka Mm -hmm. or with Pitapa because one of them is used with, like, the JR system pretty much all across Western Japan. But the other one is used basically on all train systems in Kansai region. And one of them is also you pay beforehand and the other one is you pay after. Gotcha. So regardless, is what you're getting at that both you're undecided and then you'll have time on the train to play things? Possibly, but it was just kind of one of those things like, how am I going to commute? But anyway, it's, that's, that's it's, all right. I appreciate your stream of consciousness. I, I do enjoy it very much. So uh, we haven't done a review of the game yet. It's been out for a really long time. And I blame that on my Pokemans taking up every You can ounce. stop any time. Oh, of course I can. Chirp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's do a little follow-up on last week's topic where we were talking about Dragon Ball songs that have little homages to, say, American songs that came previously or just other songs. You listen and you say, that sounds really familiar to me. So check out last episode. We had three really good examples. Uh, during the podcast, I said, hey, if anyone has any other thoughts on other Dragon Ball songs, let me know, and uh, we'll play a couple samples from those. So I have two things I want to play. One Ooh. is something I found, and then the other is something someone on our forum found. So I'll go with the one I found first, and I had noticed this a long time ago. It just totally slipped my mind. I was listening to the DBZ and DBZ2 soundtrack, and that's the soundtrack to Budokai and Budokai 2, because they were just called Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Z2 over in Japan. Anyways, so I believe it's track 10 on that soundtrack. It's uh, Senoritsu no Toki, or Time of Shutters. It's got this little bit in there and mary you're listening to it i was playing it earlier and as it started you said oh this doesn't really sound like anything yeah i was like what are you getting at here you're grasping at straws and then there's one part and granted it, it is just the one part mm-hmm. sounds very much like yeah something it, it's enough of it that i think it's kind of especially with the like metal guitar in there it's, it's pretty obvious to me so uh let me play a little snippet here from iron man <laughs> And then here's a little Dragon Ball tune. Yeah, I 
So I think that's pretty cool. I like that one. And over on our forum, uh, Sidorna put up a little uh, note here that says, there's a specific song that sounds a little bit like Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. And that's Majin Buu ni Sasegeru Barado. Or Barado. Or Ballad. Ballad. <laughs> there you go. Barado. Barado. Yeah, see, why don't you just say it? You're better than <laughs> I am. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the ballad dedicated to Majin Buu, even though it sounds nothing like a ballad. So let's play uh, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. I bet you never thought you'd hear yourself saying that on your own podcast. I know, right? Welcome to the jungle! It's more the guitar part than the vocals, but maybe even the vocals a little bit. Anyways, here's a clip from the Dragon Ball song from uh, Hit Song Collection 17. go. So those are two really fun examples. We just wanted to follow up on last week's episode with that. And uh, the only other bit of opening stuff I have here is keep adding me to your friends list on Xbox Live. I am Vegito EX. Everyone keeps adding me and then there's always like two or three people on. I want to play Uno. I want to play Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. I want to play Bomberman Live. Let's kick some ass here, folks. Come on, keep going. I have lots of friends, but none of you are ever on. Let's play. Come on. Let's go. Even though I'm never on either. So it's always Mary playing Hexic. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I uh, like them puzzle games because I'm the female. It's going to wrap up this stuff. So let's take it on over to the news for the week. So in the news this week, we got uh, lots of video game news. Two things which I just found just now as I clicked record. And uh, then some interesting Viz news. So let's start with the sparking meteor stuff. As it comes closer and closer to release, we have more info. Little Chi-Chi is confirmed. Yay! Just like we said last week, we've seen some pictures. It is indeed her shoujo form, if you will. Little pink outfit with the helmet and the axe and the beams and that kind of stuff. That's the only way she, uh, she can stand a chance with that beam. I don't know. I was she... thinking, what's she going to do with key attacks and flying? Uh, come on, you played Super DBZ. She's got Kintone, she's got the oh, Noibo, and she's got the Bashosen. Gotcha. And it was awesome. Yeah. You know it was awesome. I know. I like Chi-Chi. Two other bits of sparking meteor news. It looks like the official uh, full-length promo video, not just like the 30-second trailer, but over in Japan they do this all the time where they put out uh, about three and a half to four minutes of a video usually narrated by the characters it just shows uh, some of the modes and some of the new characters and stuff interestingly this one's narrated by Goku and Piccolo as opposed to usually Goku and Vegeta if there's going to be dual characters it was pretty cool I heard Piccolo quasi cursing a couple times which I always enjoy. It sounded like they were getting into some kind of little argument there, but I enjoyed it greatly. Um, it showed off nothing we haven't seen as of yet. Um, lots of the new characters that we just found out about, like Tambourine and who else was in there? Sedipa. 
if you've been keeping up, you know who all those characters are. Nothing really new in there. But regardless, I always like hearing um, Masako Nozawa narrating about new things. So that is neat. The last bit of sparking meteor news, and actually, if you want to call it Budokai Tenkaichi news, uh, IGN is actually doing a blog specifically for the game, and it looks like Donnie Clay, who's uh, one of the producers over there at Atari, he's kind of like the main face of DBZ games for the North American... I, I don't even know how to describe it, because he doesn't really do anything on the game. But he's always there talking. It's like the marketing guy. Y- yeah, sort of. I guess you could say the PR guy. Yeah, let's call him the American PR guy, even though it says he's a producer, which he can't be because it's made over in Japan. <laughs> Anyways, so check this out over on IGN. It looks like they're going to be updating um, things here and there. Let's get some screenshots and just some commentary on it. And you know, this is my favorite episode, favorite scene, and blah blah blah. So that's quasi-interesting. Let's take it over to the Viz News. This is uh, somewhat big. It involves us in uh, kind of a backwards way. We talked about Dragon Ball Collector back on episode 83. This is this little thing Viz was going to be doing with Dragon Ball. Apparently in this month's domestic monthly Shonen Jump, which I believe is the October issue, uh, they have this old Dragon Ball Collector thing in there. And Demon Core over on our forum put up this uh, list of everything that's in there. It's like some hairstyle guide and something about fusions and something about video games. It's kind of like a, a mini dubified, visified, Daisenshu-esque little information section. I don't know how else to describe it. But the really interesting thing is, as a prelude to this section, they have Neko Majin Z5 translated. The whole thing? Yeah, that chapter. From what I understand, I went out to buy the issue yesterday, but I couldn't find it anywhere. It sounds like only subscribers have it thus far, so we'll be picking it up in like a day or so, whenever it comes out. You know, I used to have a subscription, and I let it expire, and I'm pretty sure it kept going for another year yep. after I had paid for it. So I don't know if someone over there flipped a switch on me or something. I don't know. <laughs> but needless to say, I don't get it anymore after all the shit that went oh. down over there. But uh, <laughs> So thoughts, Nekomajin Z5, the so, last chapter showing up in here? So it just popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, more or less. And uh, wow. there's never been any licensing news. It's just boom, here it is. I think they showed a picture of Z, Nekomajin Z, his name is Z, like in a previous issue and just briefly described that it was something Toriyama had done. Hmm. But no, no news of, you know, we've licensed this officially, even though we kind of assume Viz always has this stuff. Right. Um, nothing of we're going to be putting this out in the graphic novel. Nothing like that. It just kind of showed up in there. Well, I hope they do more than just print the last chapter. I know. It's kind of weird because you don't have any emotional attachment, you know, to any of these people. I mean, as much of an emotional attachment I mean, as yeah. you can have in a gag exactly. manga. But at the same time, you know, this probably makes most sense because it's got so many Dragon Ball characters in it. True. Like, there's that one panel where they come back to the Stone family house and everyone's there. So I don't know. But yeah, it really doesn't make sense to read this chapter. And let's not forget that there are three other Nekomachan chapters, not in the Z era. Right. So You know, what, what strikes me too is that um, in this issue, there's also this interview with Akira Toriyama. Right. And it, it almost seems like they lead Akira Toriyama into uh, justifying their own position to using the word Jin yes. or Majin. Yes. And, and he does explain that he was inspired by a sort of Arabian aesthetic I still think Jin is kind of awkward. You know, I noticed that too. The way that they worded it and the way they cornered him, it was like any answer he gave would justify what they did. I I haven't actually looked at this. What's the context? Uh, you know how in the Viz translation, instead of Majin for Majin Buu, they use Jin? Yeah. D-J-I-N-N. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking him about you know the origin, uh, the character, the look, and the word, and all that stuff. And just the way they phrased it, it kind of forced oh, what's him... It? 
Majin, the word Majin, because they're calling it Neko Majin. They're not mm-hmm. saying like Neko the Jin or Jin Neko or anything. Or so Kajini. Or Kajini, exactly. So now people are kind of like, so what was the problem with just using Majin in the first place? There's this whole debate of, you know, if you're going to translate it, you might as well translate Majin. But then on the flip side, the M, we assume, stands for Majin, so it kind of negates that. We've talked about it in the past when that first came up, when the translation was coming out. But anyways, so you can check this out in October's Jump, I believe. Uh, we don't have it just yet over here because we don't subscribe. There's some uh, scans over on the forum. We're going to be taking down our translation of Nekomajin Z5 because it is officially released in the U.S., North America. Um, when or if the rest of the chapters come out, we'll take those down individually as they come out. We have 3, 4, and 5 up right now, so 5 will be gone. Uh, hopefully, I haven't read the translation. I'm interested to see how it compares to Julian's translation. So, cool. There you have it. I think we've uh, gone on long enough about Viz and Nekamajin Z and all that stuff. It just, you know, made the anger inside me resurface. I forgot about the whole Majin thing and like, <laughs> yes, the am on the head. How can you ignore that? So that's where you lie on that side of the argument. Very just, much so. Just the obvious surface level. Like, it's in, you know, the drawings, basically. <laughs> like, oh, you fucktards. <laughs> I love it when you finally come out with your I get your I get really decision. bitter over the stupidest things. <laughs> it's angry Mary. It is. I'm turning green right now and You wouldn't like Mary when she's angry. She um let's go over to the topic for the week. So this week we are talking, believe it or not, about Dragon Ball GT. Step into it. Into what? It. What's it? You can take that as you will. <laughs> Poop? And over here, we have a pile of poo. Also known as GT? Yeah, see, you belong to what I was doing. You're so smart and clever. Oh, witty. We are going to be talking about the ending of Dragon Ball GT. Specifically, what we're going to reference are episodes 63, 64, and a little bit of the TV special. Now, needless to say, this is going to involve some spoilers. Now, we've gone on for almost 100 episodes now. We've never really had to say, oh, obviously this conversation is going to have spoilers in it. But I feel like since it's the finale to the show, Mm -hmm. even though it's been out even over here in the U.S. for a while, we might as well say, you know, if you haven't seen the ending, we're going to spoil some stuff. The you can up- just, you know, keep your hands over your ears and go la 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 for the rest of the episode or hit fast forward. That's true. You're you're smart, technology-oriented person. You know what to do. Just go buy the DVD and then watch it and then come back. I'd prefer that because I do want you to hear the conversation. Anyways, the other point I want to make here, and this is also something we usually don't say, but um, we're specifically talking about the Japanese version here. And the reason I even bring that up is... We're not I, being elitist assholes. There's a reason. No, definitely. <laughs> when I've spot-checked the dub in places, uh, there's two different things here. There's minute differences in the way that lines are delivered, and then also there's flat-out line changes. This drastically can alter the way you perceive the events that occur. So I think it's really important to reiterate, we are talking about the Japanese version here. Can we talk about both once we've talked about the Japanese version? I'm curious as to how the English version handled it. I, I can briefly mention one little thing that irritated me. So, yeah, maybe I can... I'll, I'll just say it now. It's um, Goku's sitting on Shenlong's head. Vegeta comes up. And the way... The, the exact words that he says and the way he says it is almost like he's not as up on things as he is in the Japanese version. And I think that kind of affects a little bit of like how the characters around him are perceiving things. So that, Wait, that's that'll my, make more sense once you talk that's about That's my non-spoiled version of it. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, good. Go watch the episode. Then we'll come back to it. So let's start the conversation here. Uh, Julian, you do own the DVD, but you were saying that you couldn't find it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it may be in storage because I'm getting ready to leave for Japan and I won't be around for a year. Right. Um, actually, I'll probably sell it when I get back. But anyway. <laughs> but you've so, seen it, but basically your memory may be a little fuzzy on it. Yeah, it's been like two years. Gotcha. Uh, Mary, you and I just watched 6364 and the end of the TV special yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty fresh on it. Yep. And I always cry whenever I watch it. So it's very emotionally fresh in me. Yes. Although I will say with a firm foot stamping on the ground that my eye irritation yesterday was not from me crying, but because that rabbit was in your parents' basement. Right. Sorry about that. I should have warned you. Yes. But anyways, let's continue on with the conversation. So there's kind of two big questions here. The first real question is, did Goku die? And then the second question, you actually phrase the second question in two different ways. We'll say either, where does Goku go? Or what does Goku become? So that's kind of where we're going to take this. There are two points, if you subscribe to this theory, where Goku may have died. And this will be in episode 63. This would be either when he's blocking Ishinron's like, red negative energy ball thing that he was going to destroy the Earth with. The other place is when he used the Cho Ultra Genkidama to like finally actually kill Ishinron. So again, I say if you subscribe to the theory that Goku died... He could have died at one of two points... Right. Those specific two points, that's where I think it could have occurred. Now, I have a list of evidence for uh, to prove or disprove either of these cases. I have not shared this outline with either Mary or Julian. So I guess, Mary, because it's freshest in your mind, um, let me get your thoughts on what happened here. Um, what happened to Goku? Did he die? Let's save the where did he go thing for later. Okay. But what happened in here? What are your thoughts on this? You know, I'm really going back and forth on it in my head right now, trying to think, you know, in terms of where did he go and what did he do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say based on those two events, you know, during the fight, I'm going to say he didn't die. You're going to say he didn't die. Okay, why are your thoughts on this? Because he converses with people. He converses with the dragon, and then mm-hmm. he makes a decision and stuff happens. So, so I'm going to say prior to him talking with, you know, everyone and Shenlong... Uh, he didn't die. So you're basing this on, he's having conversations with everyone. Everyone seems to be aware that everyone is there. Mm-hmm. He's physically interacting. He's verbally interacting. Right. It doesn't seem like anything strange happened other than here's a massive attack. Wow, I'm tired. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, Shenlong, why are you here? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Julian, um, I know you haven't watched it all that recently, but from your memory, what are your general thoughts on this? Well, my main thoughts on it is that he did successfully defeat uh, the dragon thing. Was it the one-star dragon? Yes. And But I think he realizes that, in a way, he is kind of a magnet for things. <laughs> Right. That somehow, by taking himself out of the picture with the Dragon Balls, he restores a kind of equilibrium that maybe has been lacking. And that's my take on it. Now, I just want to say this. Mary, you and I were talking yesterday as we were watching the episode, and uh, that first instance where Bulma kind of does this little reminiscence, what did you say in response to, like, that? Well, Bulma said something to the effect of, Oh, wow, it seems so long ago that we were searching for the Dragon Balls. Those are some crazy times and something like that. Uh 
I said, basically, this is all Bulma's fault. Right. This isn't Goku's <laughs> fault. Bulma is the Ford catalyst. Goku is everything. taking this on himself. He's like, I'm going to go off he, and do he's just something. Ha- he's just hanging up there in the mountains. Grandpa's dead, whatever. He's mm-hmm. catching his fish. He's cooking his food. He's chopping his wood. All of a sudden, this chick shows up with a gun, no less. Shoots him. Wants to steal his dragon. It's her fault. She has no sense of accountability. Not like, oh, maybe I'll go off with the dragon and make good <laughs> on my whole life. No, no. I'm just going to go continue making my billions of dollars with my <laughs> sexy husband. Oh, Shameless, I say. Okay, so I will take it over to me now, and I guess I'll go down my list of evidence for against these couple of different things. I do subscribe to the theory that Goku flat out died at a certain point. And I believe that he died in the process of using the Genki Dama to kill Ishinron. So let's go down the list here. Um, his conversation with Kaiosama, where he's saying, you know, can everyone in the universe please help me um, donate the energy? That seems pretty normal. He doesn't, like, nothing seems out of place for Kaios like, uh, but, but you're dead. How you, you know, like, that's all pretty on the ball there. He doesn't have a halo either, but I feel like if they gave him a halo, that would kind of be too obvious and take away from any mystique of you know, just the end of the series and what's going on. No one really knows where they're going to take this. The end of episode 63, Shenlong summons himself. As he's looking down upon Goku, his eyes glow. Typically his eyes glow when he grants some sort of wish or actually does something. Hmm. And then that's reiterated at the beginning of 64 where Shenlong's eyes glow and then Goku kind of glows himself. And wow, gets I should have up. paid better attention. <laughs> I figured all that, you know, that was all just stylistic stuff. Like, it oh, very it's well a dragon. Be, His eyes are glowing. Mike is reading way too much into this, and that's probably very true as well. But I noticed all of these things, and they really stuck out to me, especially the beginning of 64, where Goku's whole body actually kind of glows and something happens. Could it be that he just healed him back to full health and he gets up and he's okay? That's very possible. I don't get what the dragon would have to gain from doing that when he's basically come out of the Dragon Ball to like bitch at everybody. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to bring you back to life and now I'm going to scold you. Well, if he's going to lecture anyone, it's probably Goku because, you know, even though you were talking about Bulma and her accountability. But how many times did Goku actually actively make wishes? It seemed like other people did it far more often than him. But how many times was it for Goku? Like, bring oh, Goku you know, back for his life? sake? Yeah. I guess. Or of his request, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know there. Taking it on a little further, Goku seems to know that it's time to leave with Shenlong. His exact words are something like, oh, is it that time? Hmm. Now, no one's had any conversation about what's going to go on, so I can only infer that at some point, I'll say while Goku was dead, he maybe subconsciously or in the afterlife conversed with someone about this, like... Made a deal with the dragon? Yeah, exactly, like, like let me camera. Let me come back for just a little bit so I can save everybody and then I'll do whatever you want. Kind exactly. Of let me come back, we'll bring everyone back to life, I'll say my goodbyes to everyone. There's just this understanding there that isn't really verbalized. To me, and also with regard to some of the conversations that take place later in episode 60, Mm-hmm. Part of me wants to chalk it up to sloppy writing. I can't tell if the writers are trying to be creative and cryptic or if they're just being kind of lazy and assuming that the audience will put the pieces together on their own. Right, we can't dismiss that they're just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Like in Evangelion, where all the Christian symbology, mm-hmm. or symbolism, whatever. Symbology. Symbology, yeah, that's the word. Where most of it was just, uh, we thought it looked cool. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe they just thought this kind of stuff was cool and they weren't really putting that much thought into it. I mean, I don't know how much credit we can give Toei for coming up with original stories here, you know? How accurate is the translation on the DVD? Was that Steve? Yeah, or- Steve did GT. Uh, I put a bit more stock into that then. Yeah, well, we don't have too much of a problem with Clyde, although you and I just yeah. the other day, Mary, we were watching um, yeah. the Dr. Slump crossover episodes. Right. And we just know so many There was a lot of stuff mistakes. that I, I mean, not that I'm an expert in Japanese by any stretch. But things like spelled senbei yeah. without the I the first time, and then with mm-hmm. the I, and then you heard kun, but it was written as san, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, well, I mean. Not that Steve's I, never made mistakes, like uh, yeah. Cell saved the world from Cell, or something like that. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Clyde's gotten better, though, over time. Uh, oh, to me, it strikes me. His, that his work on Dragon Ball was kind of a trial by fire mm-hmm. that he learned from his mistakes on the way rather than um, yeah. you know avoiding them entirely and with but, Steve we know he was a fan of the show going into subbing it so it's just got that it's both a professional and a fan sub at the same time it's kind of strange let's keep going let's talk about Goku talking with everyone uh, the two really important cases are at Kame House and then down in Hell with Piccolo uh, at Kame House he speaks with Kududin and um, he's not really aware of what's going on he thinks they're just talking you'll notice that Kami Sandin never actually looks away. He's always looking at Goku, but he never changes his expression. Mm. And even when Goku disappears, he doesn't change his expression. Uh, Kududin had his eyes closed, and he was talking about, oh, you know, even sometimes he trains with 18. But Kami Sandin is just kind of like, Goku, are you dot dot dot? That's like the catchphrase for this ending of the episode. Yeah, I think Vegeta dot, dot, says dot. it, and Piccolo says it as yeah. well. So Kami Sandin kind of knows that something special is going on. And what has happened, what's going to happen. He knows he's going somewhere. Um, same thing happens down in hell. Initially, Piccolo's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing down here again? I went to so much effort to get you out of here. Now you're about to... What? He's like, you know, shake my hand. And then as soon as he does that, Piccolo's like, oh shit, something's going down. He turns away, Goku's gone. One thing I do want to talk about, and it actually involves... Um, the end of the episode, also the TV special. I don't think Goku appearing and then mysteriously disappearing really proves anything either way. That can just be him Goku. just being fast, right? So um, someone suddenly not seeing him—that's just Dragon Ball. So right. that'll actually say that doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, let's take it back to earlier after he's kind of spoken with everyone. We're back at the scene of destruction, I guess you would say, where all the families still are. Panchan, as Trunks would say, she knows that something's weird because she's about to run off, but she notices Goku's gi lying on the ground. It's his torn up ragged blue gi that he was wearing. Now, not only was he wearing it when Shenlong maybe resurrected him or brought him back to full health, but he was also wearing it when he left with Shenlong. I always took that to mean it was part of his outfit. I don't think it was because at the end, Goku Jr. is wearing that outfit. He's wearing the whole gi. And even Vegeta Jr. makes some kind of comment like, oh, that's all dirty, dude. (laughs) What's up with that? So Goku both took off wearing it and it's and still left lying it there. there. <laughs> right. And um, and this is another thing. I think the dialogue might have been changed here in the dub. But Vegeta's comment here, like, like, kind of freezes my heart a little bit. He says something like, make sure you hold that deer. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty strong for powerful. Vegeta. Yeah. So, and um, earlier when he runs up to uh, Goku and he's on top of Shenlong. Initially, he says something like, oh, you're going off training. I think the dub says something like that, but the delivery is so different. And then that's immediately when he's like, wait, no, you're not. You're (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Kind of thing. That kind of bothered me. Yeah. More of the, we're leaving it up to you guys to figure (laughs) out what... what Well, that's what we're doing. We are trying to sort this out. It's all the dot, dot, dot's fault that we are doing this episode. 
Right. Um, <laughs> let me just once again compare if he died here, if he died there. I don't really know this. I can't think of any instances. Can a dead person perform a Genki-dama? Mm. Was Goku uh, ever dead? When he did it on Earth, he was, I mean, barely alive, but he did it. Uh, when he did it on Namek, he was alive. When he did it back on Earth with Boo, he was alive. It's a good question. I mean, he does practice the technique on Kaio. That's true planet when he's dead That's and very- it seems to be that he's trying to um gain the necessary power well no never mind he's alive at that point i was I, gonna I was say th- it's super saiyan 3 but no he's alive that's why he can't get enough power right, right. <laughs> i was thinking more theoretically like could a dead person gather the living energy but like you pointed out when he was training on kaiosama's planet he actually did make a little one that wasn't much energy but he was able to do it then mm-hmm. so maybe that doesn't prove either way i was thinking if he had died blocking the attack then he wouldn't be able to form the Genkidama, but I guess we kind of negated that point. So, I think that's more or less everything I have for did Goku die? So, now that we've had that whole conversation, I'll start over again. Mary, I mean, I didn't tell you any of this going into it. Mm -hmm. Let you form your own thoughts. Now that we've had this discussion, have your thoughts changed at all? What do you think? Um... I still don't think he died blocking the attack or doing the Gekidama. I think he sacrificed himself once uh, Shenlong showed up and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, is it that time? I mean, I think that's the only thing that really is confusing me. But I definitely think, like you guys were saying before, like Goku realizes, okay, I have to get myself out of the picture, so I'm going now. So I think at that point, it's pretty obvious that... It's know. pretty clear what's going on there that he's leaving. And we'll we'll talk about what, what did he become, where did he go mm-hmm. in a second. I'll take it over to Julian then. Julian, do you think that Goku died? at any point during this. Like, flat out, heart stopped. He's no longer alive. Um, Well, I suppose the way you put it, it's certainly possible. But I think I have to say the jury is out. Gotcha. Let's continue onwards with what did he become? Where did he go? So as he flies off with Shenlong, the Dragon Balls become absorbed into him, including one into the butt. which Two into the butt. (laughs) As emotional of a scene as it is, it always makes me laugh. But anyways... Um, so he flies off, and then we're 100 years later, and Panchan, I enjoy saying it, I, there's that one scene where um, Trunks notices that she hasn't come off, and just the way he just says, Panchan, I, <laughs> anyways, so uh, she sees Grandpa Goku off in the distance across the way in the uh, arena. And then he's gone. But he's also there in the GT TV special at the end, which is... The TV special takes place before the very end of GT episode 64. Because Goku Jr., you know, goes on his little quest, is able to become Super Saiyan, etc., etc. So he's left. Now he's an adult. So some of my thoughts here are... The Dragon Balls clearly became absorbed into Goku when he left. Yet Goku Jr. sees the four-star ball in the old Zone family home, in the little temple area where Goku originally was. So are the Dragon Balls back? I would say yes. Have to be. I think, um, I forget who in the show suggested it, that they were being tested. Trunk said that, Okay, and that, you know, when they've been judged that they can Mm -hmm. handle and not abuse the Dragon Balls again, they'll reappear. So Mm -hmm. I think Goku left with Shenlong and then became a vessel for them. Mm -hmm. Like, just the storage place for Dragon Balls, up the butt. And Well, that's true, because where would they go otherwise? So Mm -hmm. Goku... I, I think that's a good description, a vessel for them. And someone decided, okay, let's, they can go out again. It's been 100 years. Right. So 100 years later, another thing I want to talk about. When Goku is turned back into a child, we have to assume that he would normally, quote-unquote, grow up again, naturally. So 100 years later, would he look like that? So is his appearance there because that's how he chooses to appear? Or did he naturally grow up again? Maybe the spell was broken. Okay. Stupid Pilaf. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we already talked about him appearing and disappearing. Doesn't really prove anything. However, the end of the TV special, Goku up in the sky looking down upon Goku Jr. and everyone, that pretty heavily implies something. Yeah. I don't know what specifically it implies, but he's become something other than just some Goku that we know and love. He's a higher being. I think that's how most people describe it. Like, he became a god or something like that. Julian, what do you think? What happened here? What did he do? What did he become? What's his purpose? Well, I don't know. He's not Kami. I think it's almost like he's looking over things. He's not necessarily directly involved in events, but maybe it's like he wants to look out. It's the way that in the the GT special, which was actually done you know, halfway through the series. And right, you can tell actually, because they, they kind of retconned uh, Pan's relationship to Goku Jr. Right, it, it uh, played right before the Super 17 saga, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's like, um, they, they've been they've been setting it up, even if they didn't quite know how they were going to get there. Mm-hmm. So Goku seems to almost want to help things, but not by being there, because he seems to be such a... Um, evil magnet but <laughs> by like indirectly influencing events somehow gotcha or something another phrase people use is protector of the dragon balls so i think that kind of falls in line mary with what you said about being a vessel for them so i don't really have any thoughts i think you guys kind of covered what his purpose what he became is there i think that might be one best to leave up to not fully explaining or finding out what really happened to him i think that's probably what they were going for is let's really leave this one specifically open-ended so that's all i got on the end of gt anyone have any closing comments on this i don't know i do okay this is probably the deepest we can ever get with any dragon ball thing ever i agree i don't Which think anything I to do it yeah i don't think anything else in the series leaves itself open to interpretation like this does and like i was saying to you yesterday I, uh-huh. while i don't think i want to accept this as canon mm-hmm. this is by far a better ending than dragon ball z ending or even you know the actual dragon ball manga how about um just this, emotionally anyway how about the slightly new ending in the constant bond do you um, think even that doesn't really matter too much in terms of canon and... or emotional either it's all right okay. it's an improvement <laughs> i'd say I, maybe it's just us because we like it so much we want to it's that if i like it then it must be true and if i don't like it then i'm gonna disregard it so maybe we're a little guilty of that yeah. with this but well, no, I mean, I like it, but I'm still not going to mm-hmm. you know, take this as like the true ending to the whole Dragon Ball universe. Well, yeah, if you want to take it that way, Nekomajin Z kind of disregards GT with where Goku and Uba are. So true. that's what really happened. Oh, oh see oh, how I'm tying the topic back into the news. That is clever. Julian, final thoughts. Final thoughts? Yes. What is well, this, Jerry Springer? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, God. Um, people who fight each other because of some contrived topic for a TV show are stupid. But there anyway, you go. Uh, but uh, speaking in terms of uh, GT, well, I guess that kind of applies too. But in 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 this topic. <laughs> Um, it, it's interesting, and I think it's meant to be kind of open-ended, but in that way, it almost gives it a better sense of finality, too. Right. It's like the kind of, it goes on, but it's not in a, wait, he just flew off kind of way. It's more like <laughs> he, he, he has achieved some higher purpose rather than just, you know, taking some kid away. Right. Good deal. So that's going to wrap up the topic. We want you all to chime in with what you think. For every podcast episode, we have a thread over on the forum. So come type out some thoughts. We want to know what you have to say. So with that, we're going to take it over to the releases for the rest of August. 
There is only one last final thing coming out in August. On the 29th, Julian, we got some stuff over in Spain. What we got? We got Spain Remastered Volume 13. It's a two-disc set per the norm. It's DBZ TV episodes 99 through 107. It's available for 24.95 euros. More info can be found at sonadvd.com. And that's the releases for the rest of the month, so let's close it out with some emails. People, uh, they want to talk about video games. If they didn't want to talk about video games, we wouldn't get so many emails about video games. So if that's what they want to hear, it's what we're going to talk about. Julian, why don't you read this email here from Ryozaki2000. All right. Hi. I'm just responding to one of your comments made on episode 90 of your podcast about, and I quote, being burned twice. You were referring to DBZ Sparkin' and Sparkin' Neo. In all truth, I can understand why uh, you said that it, only if you were referring to the first release, which was DBZ Sparking. But I wholeheartedly think that what you said was much too much of an overstatement for Sparking Neo. Now, I'm not saying this is from a DBZ fan point of view. But from point of view of a person who's religiously played fighting games seriously since the early 90s, and also a person who can really see the true beauty of a game, Spark and Neo was a very good game as well as a perfect DBZ game. Uh, now, I've heard in other podcasts that Super DBZ was more to your liking. Although it was a small but good game, a true DBZ game shouldn't be played in the manner of Street Fighter. Just wasn't the type of show to be used in the manner of a Street Fighter type game. Now, I believe your lackluster, I guess you could say, enthusiasm or overall skill of the game really put a damper on it. I also presume you haven't been presented with a real challenge with the game, possibly. But hopefully, with the release of Spark and Meteor, it will allow you and whoever to see with clearer eyes. Much love. All right. Can I say something? Go ahead. Uh, a DBZ game shouldn't be in the manner of Street Fighter? Says who? Oh, like, seriously. A I... DBZ game can be anything out there. Anything you want it to be. It's been card games. It's been little... What's those games in Japan where you stick in the card in a machine and, like, stuff happens? Oh, yeah, kind of like a rock, paper, scissors card battle-based game. So, DBZ is such a huge franchise, it lends itself to any type of game. So, yeah. It could be Street Fighter. We like it. <laughs> we got anyway, that has really put me off. More than yeah. merry anger coming in here. I, th- I think what the thing is in here is that someone telling us what we're supposed to like. Yeah, I think that's my big problem with it. Not so much the whole Street Fighter thing, but... Saying that yeah. a true DBZ game can't be this, <laughs> so uh, yeah. what's well, up with that? I mean, I don't. <clears throat> I mean, I don't really have a point of reference here. But um, my point of view is simply that I got my ass kicked by a Japanese guy who played as Chichi in Super DBZ. <laughs> so th- that's my opinion. Right now, again, I think I've used this exact line before. If you're going to put me in a defensive position, the only thing I can say is, "Well, shit." Okay, if you want to hear. I guess you're going to hear it. They kind of come in with this holier-than-thou, I've played fighting games since the 90s. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so have Mike and I. Okay. (laughs) So it's like anyone remotely our age grew up playing games in the 80s and 90s. Let's reiterate that. I'm 25, Mary's 26. We grew up on Street Fighter. Yeah, hence the liking of the Super DBZ. And SNK and, you know, all those games. Um, My fondest memories are of playing Street Fighter Alpha 2 on the giant screen in the arcade, um, getting 
getting my ass beat by some 40-year-old creepy woman in Mortal Kombat 2 up in an arcade in Maine, um, playing Virtual Fighter 2 on the giant screen for the first time. I mean, I'm not, like, tournament-level at fighting games. No, not at all. But I will say that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to fighting games. I'm allowed to like whatever I'm allowed to like. We've always said, if you like the sparking games, I totally understand why you do. Because, like, this person says, it is like this show. Right. You know, it, it pretty much emulates what you can do in and the show. Prior and- to this, we had Idainoru Dragon Ball Densetsu, or Legends, on the PS1 and Saturn. And sparking is kind of like the spiritual successor to that game. So, yeah, dude, I totally get that sparking most accurately replays the show. Now, something I want to bring up, and uh, people have talked about this before, I have the most differing opinions from everyone. I thought the story mode in Budokai 2 was awesome. I thought the different play mechanics in Game Board was really neat, like the what-if stories. My deal is, I don't care about replaying the story that I've seen for... How, how long have I been into the show? Over 10 years at this point. I don't like cutscenes in the game that completely reiterate the show, like down to the frame. I've seen the show. It would be one thing if these games came out every once in a while and they had mm-hmm. the cutscenes, but when these games are coming out every single year and you're seeing the same damn cutscenes and narrations, it's like, okay, let me play a game, please. Right, and like, I understand that Padoka and Sparking are separate series, but if you kind of want to just go through the history, we've had a new game on the dot every year for the last six years that tells the Dragon Ball Z story. It's getting pretty ridiculous. Right, so <laughs> I just love that comment. Well, maybe you're just not that good. Like I said, I'm not amazing, but yeah, uh, I I don't even know how I want to you, you, follow you that You beat up. the game. Like, you you didn't give up and say, oh, it's too hard. That, that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I sucked at the game, and, you know, I'll, I'll admit that's part of the reason why I don't like it is because uh, I don't feel like putting in the effort of mastering it. But, again, I'm not a hardcore gamer. I may have played it a lot in the 90s and it's all that not stuff. your but. type of game. And I think what's important is to acknowledge that separate people like separate types of games. Right. Like, I like the 2D fighters. I don't like, you know, dial-a-combo games like the Budokai series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know if I use the correct phrase, and that's how not not a hardcore gamer punch, I am. Punch, 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 punch energy. Yeah. You know? It's just not my thing, and I can see why other people would like it, because maybe they can master that and do neat things. With- I could go into this long rant about the play mechanics of Super DBZ and how there's all these amazing things in there that completely surpass anything in Sparking, but... You know, I almost kind of did there. But then I'm getting into the whole, well, now I'm telling you what you're supposed to like. And, and I'm telling you why this game is better than that game, but it's right. not necessarily better. Right, because I acknowledge that for some people, Sparking is the game that's for them. For other people, Super DBZ is the game that's for them. I think For other people, Harukanoru Goku Densets is the game for them. For other people, Legend of Goku is the game <laughs> for some people. Like me! Legacy. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you actually Legacy. Legacy of Goku. Too. Right, because I like mindless walk around and beat things up in the woods kind of game. Right. Um, I think the point we're trying to make here is that just because we didn't like the game doesn't mean that we sucked at it <laughs> and almost, gave up on it. It's almost like the box sets where just because we don't like it and you hear us talking about that, I almost see it as... As, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, if our comments about not liking it are affecting your enjoyment of it, maybe you're not so secure in your enjoyment of it, you know? Yeah, what does it matter what we say? <laughs> <laughs> we're nobody. Don't take our word for it. We're just I, offering advice. I don't know. I feel like points. we're rambling a little bit here in, like, pure defensive mode. Yeah, but I don't I like do getting wanna, too defensive. I do want to get that out there. Like, we almost have this persona of, oh, they're the ones that hate the Sparking games. I'll, I'll conclude this email with this. When I beat Sparking Neo, I didn't play it again after that. When I beat and unlocked everything in Super DBZ, 
play it a couple more times after that. So let's go on over to the next email. Julian, this one comes to us from the Lecherdes Muten Roshi. Oh, do I have to read this one like Muten Roshi, or can I just read it straight? You can just read it straight. That'd be fine. Okay. Hey, Mike, Mary, and possibly Julian. What do you mean, possibly? Because <laughs> maybe you'd be in Japan, and maybe you couldn't do an episode because you were, you're on trains. That's right. Okay, fine. Anyway, <laughs> so far in the realm of Dragon Ball video games, we've had fighting games, beat-em-ups, fighting games, card-based games, and more fighting games. Heck, even an MMORPG in the works, slash rumoring around, slash whatever happened to that. Anyway, my question is this. What do you expect we can see in the future of Dragon Ball video games? Furthermore, what would you like to see? Wow, how appropriate. <laughs> what a nice follow-up question. Yeah, see what I did there? Ah. Mary, you have said before that you want Mario Party with Dragon Ball. I want Mario Dragon Party Ball. Dragon Ball. <laughs> I play that. I play it obsessively. It would be the one instance where I care about playing as the characters. It's kind of funny. Like in these fighting games where you can play as the characters. Like I stopped giving a crap about three or four years ago and I realized everyone plays the same. Oh, that's another point we wanted to talk about. Yeah, they keep adding all these characters and there's minor differences between them. When you get up to 160 characters... You know they're not individualized at all. impossible for them all to play differently. Right. So why not throw a completely different game mechanic in there and have a card game, have a party game kind of thing? Yeah. So now that it's been a while and you, you want your Dragon Ball Mario Party, what other, Julian and Mary, what other types of games, genres, game mechanics would suit the Dragon Ball universe well? Honestly, RPGs would work great, but we saw how sagas turned out, so... Yeah, Th- that was... Like an action RPG. Okay, well, of. how about a good action RPG? Where you you liked Legacy of Goku too? Did you play Boost Fury at all? No, no, I don't think you did. Julian, you're a big fan of the Zelda games. Yeah. So, um, with that in mind, I know you've been playing. Um, what's the new Phantom one? Hourglass. Phantom Hourglass. Phantom yeah. Hourglass. Yeah. So, and you like music games as well. I want a Dragon Ball music game. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Dragon Ball game would really get you engrossed in the experience? Um, well, I think it would kind of have to be a mixture of adventuring, puzzle solving, um, you know, fighting against bosses, and I don't know, I mean, DBZ is mostly hand-to-hand combat, so I don't know how getting new items would work, exactly. <laughs> but maybe That's just true. getting new, new key techniques or something, I don't know. Mary, I remembered one of the answers you've given previously on this similar question. I think I know where you're going with this, because I was just about to say it. Uh, And if I'm wrong, just pipe in with what you remember. I'd like to see a really hardcore, in-depth game where you actually go and collect the Dragon Balls as the main mission, rather than just being a side thing in one of the fighting games. Right, and all the fighting games, it's always, oh, you got the Dragon Ball, great, and when you get seven, you make a wish for an item kind of thing. But like an actual adventure game where you have a Dragon Radar... And you get into battles along the way. I mean, sort of like Legacy Goku, maybe sort of like Advanced Adventure, but maybe less on the fighting elements of those. Less on the beat-em-up elements, probably. Just exploration. Yeah, like exactly. That. Just like I'm easy to please. I'd be happy with roaming around towns and trying to find a Dragon Ball, digging holes in grass and, and stuff so like that. So you want Animal Crossing. Yes. With Dragon Balls. Hell yeah. Okay, well, there you have it. I, I don't know. I'm not even going to continue answering the question because I think you guys had some good stuff in there. So uh, if you would like to send some emails, it can be about video games. It can be about anything you want. We just happen to get video game emails. That can came we up. let up on the video games, please? <laughs> We've said all that can be said. I know, I feel like a broken record. That's all right. That's what people want to hear about, so we'll deliver. You know what? If you're listening to this and you're like, why do they keep reading video game emails? Well, send something else. We'll answer anything you want. It can be about the show. It can be about voices. It can be about music. About shoe sizes. 
shoe sizes. Shoe sizes? Yeah. We were like, I really wonder what Julian wears on his feet. Oh, you meant Julian. I meant everybody. (laughs) Well, Mary, if you're going to send an email asking what Julian's shoe size is, where would you send this email? You would send this creepy email to (laughs) podcast at dizex.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at dizex.com. D-A-I-Z-E-X. Sorry. You are a smart (laughs) woman. Yeah. I went to college. I think. So that's going to wrap wow. up episode 91. We'll be hitting you back next week with 92. Yeah, it'll be before you leave, Julian. So you think you can cram that in there? I think so. I mean, um, I'll find that time. All right. Good deal. We'll work on Yeah, so, oh, you know what? I just realized this is episode 0091. Yes. Oh. You don't have any, like, machine guns in you. Never mind. <laughs> I see. Everyone's so smart and clever today. Anyway. (laughs) That's the end of the episode. We'll check it back next week. So let's say our goodbyes to everyone. Mary, you can be found at a website called Temple O Trunks. It's the myth, the legacy, the awesomeness that remains on the web. Yeah, maybe it'll even be updated because I have a lot of music videos I got to put up and trunk scans and screen caps. And and we're going to have more music videos next month. Oh, briefly. AWA's in about a month. Mm-hmm. We're going to be there. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the future. Uh, we have a panel on Friday. That's correct. Jeff may or may not pop up on the panel with us. We'll be showing music videos. It's not a Dragon Ball panel. Be over in the VAT, the video art track. Um, new music videos, things that haven't premiered yet, things that are at the contest there, uh, inspiration stuff. That's cool. Saturday is Iron Editor. And that's the, if you've seen Iron Chef. You have two hours. Make a video. There's a secret ingredient. Mary, it is going to be you and I versus J-Bone. J-Bone. Danger. 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 If you haven't checked out that DBZ video to Danger High Voltage by J-Bone, please look it up. It it has um, lens flares on nipples. (laughs) <laughs> so it's good times <laughs> and uh, I guess maybe we can announce if you haven't already read about it elsewhere Dragon Ball Z Movie 12 is going to be one of the sources in Iron Editor this right year. we got to pick it because <laughs> yes. the topic's going to be over the top so the coordinator exactly. <laughs> one of the awesome. coordinators said hey pick a DBZ source right. pick one of the movies we're like uh, 12 please can't please thank See you in Atlanta. Yeah. So that's it. All right. So, Mary, Temple of Trunks, spell right. it. T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S dot com. And if I may, I have something I want to plug in the near future. Okay. I'm planning to do an eBay run very, very soon. Last weekend, yes. I took photos of about 40 things. Got about three full series' worth of DVDs. Any Dragon Ball stuff? I can't um, remember. I have a bunch of individual, like, trading cards, like Japanese and English, but that's You might really... have some posters, too. Um, They're more of yours than mine. Yeah, I know, mine. but... Um, but it's really, I mean, the cards and stuff is really scraping bottom of the barrel. I wasn't going to sell that yet unless there was any interest. But, but there's other series and other Oh, yeah. I've got, like, you know, I'm going to be putting up all of Ava, um, all of Now Ceres. and Then Here and There, all of Ayashi no Ceres. And we got a few uh, starter box sets to complete with all the extra doodads yeah. that came within them. In addition to DVDs, I'm also getting rid of some manga and a lot of X-Men stuff if you're into that sort of thing. So I don't know when I'm actually going to have this stuff up because, you know, it can Consumes many hours putting yeah. all the stuff online. There's like 40 different things. So just stay tuned to my site. And if Mike will be so kind as to plug me as well, since yeah, I don't get site yeah, visitors anymore, yeah. that'll be great. Sure. And yeah, you're selling stuff too. Yeah, maybe. It's in the pile. We'll get to that when the time comes. <laughs> Julian, you and I can be found in Dies in Shoe EX. That's a website and it has an address that you spell out as... 
D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com, or if you're in other parts of the English-speaking world, D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. Damn straight. Or com. So you're off to Japan in about two weeks? A little less than that now. Holy crap. Cool Jeez, shit. Time is flying. Yeah. Back over in Japan, Mary and I will be here. We'll be recording podcasts across oceans and land masses and cool shit. I am so psyched for that. We're going to get used to uh, Saturday morning recordings oh, again. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, I have no idea yet what we're going to do for episode 100. Oh. I had some thoughts. I kind of want to do a party or something. <laughs> I don't know. What if we ask people for ideas? Yeah, what do you guys want us to do for episode 100? Awesome. We can't interview Steve Simmons again. <laughs> <laughs> Mustache Gundam. I mean, what? We can't interview Toriyama. No. Oh, I sorry. pretend to be him. Bible you know what, sense. Mary? You can interview me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the inside dirt on Vegito EX. <laughs> All right, that's it. Let us know what you want us to do for episode 100 podcast at dizex.com. Check out the website. We have a forum. We have a chat. We have lots of sessions. Awesome stuff. So let's say goodbye for Mary and for Julian. I am Mike Libri, Vegito EX, and I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. Dizenshu EX podcast. Yeah, you know what I just was reminded of? What? That Haru Kanaru, Danzetsu, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of people who pronounce the uh, act of seppuku or harakiri as Harry Kerry. Oh, I know. Oh, jeez. I mean, Personally, I think listening to a drunken sportscaster is a fate worse than death. Harry, um, <laughs> Harry. The other one that drives me nuts is Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> Gaiden? Yeah. Anyways, all right. I know. I like Chi-Chi. Indeed. And Chi-Bi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-Chi-